welcome to the Autism Grown-Up Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Tara Regan, and I'm the coach and educator as well as founder here with Autism Grown-Up, a website for autistic individuals, families, and professionals to connect and get resources, ideas, information, and inspiration when it comes to autism and growing up. And this podcast is an extension of that. On this show, we share stories and strategies when it comes to autism, growing up, and adulthood. So let's jump right in. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode. I'm very excited about this interview, so I'm just going to do a quick intro and then we're going to get into the interview itself. I'm interviewing one of my friends, Dr. Bill Dush. He is a physics PhD, a data scientist, and also an autistic self-advocate. And he is just like such an amazing person that I cannot wait for y'all to get to know him today and to follow along in this episode, kind of along his journey. We talked a little bit about Uh, growing up and when he got his diagnosis in eighth grade and kind of navigating different social challenges growing up all the way up to college and into grad school where he did find some more footing Um, and so he is such he's such a great storyteller and has such great passion about I feel like autism is one of his special interests interestingly enough and we also do get into how special interests have been like a huge motivator for him in terms of uh, finding social connections with other people whether it's online or in person like in grad school and because grad school ultimately is a collection of people who are following their special interests in research and whatnot and then how that led up to him pursuing a career in data science so i gave you the overview of the episode there i'm excited about what you all think about it um yeah let's jump right in then all right i'm so excited to have on the podcast dr bill dush hello hello so happy to have you here (laughs) so happy to be here yay (laughs) so for Um, I already did kind of a quick intro that I got from you earlier, but could you introduce yourself to us? Sure. Uh, My name's uh, Bill. Um, I got my PhD in in physics at Penn State, and I recently moved down here, uh, and I'm now a data scientist uh, at a large tech company, and I'm pretty excited about my place I am right now. So. That is so cool. Yeah, you've been there for a year now, right? Yeah, yeah. Coming mm-hmm. up on that. That's amazing. It is. <laughs> Congrats on that. Yeah, I'm actually just really glad of, like, the place I'm in, at least professionally, compared to, like, grad school and whatnot, because I'm sure you know grad school sucks. <laughs> so. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, we actually met when we were both in grad school. Yeah, yeah. So it was really cool to graduate at the same time, mm-hmm. the same year. And then you moved down here. It's yeah. It's so great to have you down in North Carolina again. But this is also where your family's from, too. Yeah, so yeah. Well, my family's not from here. They just moved down here right. uh, while I was in grad school. Okay. So. Mm-hmm. so would you say you're from here now, or would you still say you're from up north? 
still salmon from up north. Yeah. I just live here. I'm not going to say I'm a southerner at heart or something like that. So. No, you're not going to be like, I'm a Carolina boy. No. Just kidding. <laughs> God, no. Uh, I feel like it's kind of complicated where we live. Many <laughs> people aren't really from here. Yeah. And they, yeah. I mean, as you know, what they call Cary, for example, like containment area for relocated Yankees. Yes, so. yes. So many Northerners in the research triangle yes. Cary. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so um, that's so cool that you you have your PhD in physics, mm-hmm. and then you went on to become a data scientist. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like those are two totally different trajectories. Like, you've had to do like a lot of studying. Yeah. To make it happen. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I always liked learning things and that really helped out um yeah but i guess the key thing is like whenever they see of like uh obsessions or yeah or whether in terms of like uh autism and whatnot Mm -hmm. if you find something which you know you could have like a goal toward things like that and and obsessed and have your like your obsessions towards that i found that you can easily do lots of uh things with that oh okay so would you say you're pretty like, would you say you're obsessed, or, like, data science is I your mean, interest? Like, would you... I guess it's my special interest now, special basically. Interest, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's the equivalent of, like, that. I had tons of special interest over the ages and things like that, but... Yeah. Uh, it's been helpful, because, like, the, the fact that it's also a livelihood, too, has been, like, very fulfilling, so... That's mm-hmm. fantastic to hear. Like, that is a dream goal for, like, yeah. so many people, autistic and not, like, yeah. to have <laughs> to do something that is, like, their main interest. But there's also, like, the kind of the other side of it, too, where if you do focus so much on your interest, you may fall out, fall out of love with it or not find it as, like, motivating. Is that something you've experienced at all? Uh, I mean, I guess in grad school, there were, there were certain times where I started to lose interest in physics, I guess, something like that, at least yeah. in terms of things, but I think it's still pushed through, or at least I found something like saying, oh, okay, well, I can use this technique to go into this. Yeah. Like, as my interest went from physics to data science, what I was able to, like, entangle the two and things like that. Okay. Yeah, so it definitely seems like it's more of, like, an individualized type of thing, like... Yeah, I think yeah. so, yeah. So, I'm not sure what causes or ends special interests, things like that. And even even, yeah. even with, like, previous special interests and whatnot, I still, like, like them. Really? So, okay. Yeah. So they're kind of, like, in, what have been your previous special interests? I'm just curious. Oh, God. There's so <laughs> many. Um, let's see. I, I used to like it. dinosaurs when I was very young. Yeah. Uh, I mean, still a really big one. <laughs> kids. Autistic yeah, kids, for like sure. S- space. I mean, I still like space, of course. Yeah. Um, Let's see, there was a hobby I was in called Micronations, uh, which is kind of like these mm. uh, fictional nations. I was a part of, like, kind of like a community where these people, like, made their own independent nations, like, declared they were king of their bedroom. Not the be- bedroom. It became more <laughs> like more like simulated nations, like this in this fictional world, things like that. We had, like, our oh. own forums. We debated things and whatnot. That took a good part of my... Uh, like teenage years from like th- I'm not even sure it's teenage it's like from like 13 to my early 20s I think okay. it's uh wow I spent all my time online pretty much okay. a large part of that into uh, that hobby yeah I was actually diagnosed in eighth uh eighth grade which is like roughly right after I uh like started doing that hobby actually so oh really mm-hmm. okay wow mm-hmm. that's a huge chunk of time too to be in and then to be online doing it too. Was it mostly online? Yeah, it was almost uh, entirely online. Okay. All my friends 
I guess you consider them friends at the time. I mean, they were the, probably the closest equivalent of their author friends. <laughs> but yeah. we're online. I did meet them when I was like uh, 19. Uh, okay. At least uh, the ones I was in at the time in California. I visited them there. So Wow. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. Are you still in touch with any? Uh, some of them. Like, I'm still Facebook friends and things like that. I'm not okay. part of that hobby anymore. Gotcha. So. I had some things developed from that. Like, I went into... Uh, making constructed languages and kind of worlding. I was built off of, like, the Micronations thing. Wow. But there was lots of politics in Micronations and whatnot. <laughs> that makes you know. sense for Micronations. Yes, yeah. Oh, my gosh, that fits right into the, like, nation piece of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's, it sounds like your interests, like, kind of build off of each other. Like, yeah. you find, like, a connecting thought and move on to that next one. But they kind of build up together, like, as a nice foundation. Yeah, like, even my con world stuff, I, I involved uh, physics, like... Yeah. When I was, uh, like, I have to build this uh, solar system, so I have mm-hmm. to use my, my interest in physics in order to, like, derive the characteristics for, like, these are the, like, properties of this planet. Like, it's composed of, like, this much rock ice, whatever, so stuff, yeah. doing stuff like that. I was reading papers, things like that, doing research there when oh I was there. Oh my gosh, you're yeah. like a mini grad student. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I remember I was thinking like Asperger's syndrome is kind of like grad school syndrome. Oh, that's <laughs> I did a little in the context of like specialization and things like that. It was yeah. the way I was framing it at the time, so help get me straight, I guess. So. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. When would you say that's like when you came upon that realization? It helped me push through, at least at the beginning. Okay. So, like, my first year of grad school, which I'm just, was more tough for the social reasons than not. And, like, yeah. in context, I, re- I haven't really seriously learned social skills until grad school, at least mm-hmm. not by myself. I'm sure it was, like, taught it. Yeah. But I didn't really put things into practice, didn't know what to do, things like that, until uh, grad school, where I pushed very through it. So, like, it definitely was, like, a huge difference in that. So. Oh, that's really mm-hmm. interesting. So, for kind of, like kind of like your later diagnosis in eighth grade and then beyond, what were some of the things, if it sounds like you connected with people based on like your special interests and, but then got more social like later on in grad school. Yeah, I mean, it was, like when I was online it was different, mostly because I didn't, when I was online, like for example, that Micronations hobby and whatnot, it was like people were connecting with each other talking to each other with certain things in ways I didn't, and I mm. didn't understand why. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I certainly know that I talked a lot more about myself than talking with other people. I didn't know if there was any way of doing differently, things like that. Mm. Didn't know how to ask questions or found with the things. Like, uh, if you talk people, if you ask questions about other people about themselves, then they'll and find them interesting, then they'll find you interesting. I didn't know about that stuff. You didn't know about that. When did you learn about that? Well, kind of grad thing? school. Grad there was, school, wow. <laughs> there was actually a site called uh, Succeed Socially, uh, like ccsocially.com. It's still there. Okay. They actually have a book. I probably recommend it. That's the thing I actually use like, to self-study uh, social skills. Succeed much. Socially. Yeah. I'll put that in the show notes, mm-hmm. too, so people can find that, too, with the book and the website. Yeah, yeah. There's a book corresponding to it. I'm not sure what the name is top of my head. I bought it. I don't have it on me or things like that. I don't know okay. But, yeah. But that was, uh, like, a particularly helpful thing to help you kind of just, like, navigate early on, and then you... In grad school, yeah, yeah. because uh, I had no simple things like saying, hey, we should start hanging out, or things like that. Uh, 
I, I just know that I wanted to hang out with pe- I wanted to hang out with people. I just didn't know how to express that. How to <laughs> get like that, that out there? Mm-hmm. Like you still had like that strong feeling. Like I love that you're sharing that because I think that's something that people overlook. They think that you're not gonna want to come hang out with them because you didn't say it. Like yeah, that was actually true. I did think one guy who I liked as a friend said he didn't. He said like he I thought he didn't like me or something like that. I was like, which was strange because I did like him. I just didn't know how to like. Sh- express common interests and things like that so. yeah wow. so if you so you didn't get any like social skills support in high school or undergrad uh, i think i did in high school i okay. think it was part of like a project actually of some sort but yeah i guess i didn't pay attention to it or something mm-hmm. i mean it was like what's the point i guess gotcha. uh i didn't i didn't see the benefits mm-hmm. i certainly didn't feel the benefits i just felt it was kind of being pushed on me this thing saying you must do this so it just I, it didn't click at the time or things like that it's like i don't understand why i'm doing this yeah like i just want to be on my front of my computer <laughs> doing my social thing yeah. or even just like be in my head so yeah that's interesting like it like the end goal just wasn't like communicated to you either or just like it felt like another high school well, well, project i guess yeah it's like certainly like, it was what i wanted or i didn't know i still was very lonely but mm-hmm. uh I don't. I didn't know like how it, it would lead me there, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, it sounds like grad school was like a major door that opened for you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, like in context, in undergrad, I was still living with my, I was still living with my parents. Like, uh, I, uh, yeah. I commuted to college like a mile away from me, so I was like, That's I cool. could. There was like no major transition where I was like, kind of forced to have to change. What I had to do. In yeah. grad school, I was in the middle of Pennsylvania, far like four to six hours away from my parents. So I was saying, I wow. need to, uh, I need to change basically. Yeah. So I did. You did it. You just did it. <laughs> what are some things that you did change, or did you like slowly in- introduce things, or was it like something that you're just? No, I barged right start. into it. Oh really? Yeah. Barged right in. Yeah. Uh, I tried to socialize as much as possible. I possible like everything I was invited to, I went and tried to make clear I wanted to get more invited to more things. Yeah. And uh, I even went to like <sighs> in retrospect, I realized why the hell hell did I do that? It was like grad school. At least at the beginning, had these like a hundred person parties that I went to. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> for like the grad school thing, that I didn't realize sensory overload was a thing at the time. Oh, okay. And so I just remember I was there being awkward, really. I serious social anxiety at the time because I yeah yeah uh, issues before things like that mm-hmm. so it was really tough but it was like saying I need to do this basically because like if everything's anxious to me fine so we'll just do it so it's not like everything's gonna become less anxious things like that so mm-hmm. so it sounds well um, I keep saying it sounds like <laughs> I'm like I like saying some of your words back to you because I think they're just so powerful mm-hmm. and. I'm excited about that, this conversation, but um, did you do any research on autism beforehand? Because you mentioned that you didn't know what sensory overstimulation was and didn't know these like different social skill things. Uh, yeah, I did a lot. I mean, certainly throughout my life once I got diagnosed. Yeah. Uh, but because it's yeah, because like you were you figured things out as you went along, or like you learn more things. I certainly about read yourself. about it, but like yeah. 
it was more like how how it played out in the sense of uh, how she my identity changed over time. Mm. I think I certainly read things, but it just it didn't click. Basically, like not not intuitively. Yeah. As to how a certain trait or deficit I might have or strength mm-hmm. affects me, basically. Okay. So could you tell me about, like, that moment when you, like, can you give me an example of, like, when something clicked for you? Sure. Yeah. Um, like, I remember reading about theory of mind, like, on Wikipedia. Like, I did about everything on Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, um, I didn't know what it was, mm-hmm. or at least didn't really comprehend it, basically. A lot of these was like, saying, I studied beforehand. I knew it intellectually. I didn't know it intuitively. Yeah. I remember constantly saying that to myself, especially when it came to the realization. It's like, oh, this is this. It's like that once it finally made sense. So, uh, do, the re- do the audience don't know that much about theory of mind, or should I expect them to? Um, go ahead and just like share like a brief sure. summary of it. It's like the ability to know that other people have their own like mental states. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also related to like cognitive empathy, the ability to like understand other people's perspectives, things like that. And uh, yeah. um, it's not that autistic people like lack it. I mean, maybe it's kind of like a developmental thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. So like okay. younger might not know that much, but older they it could get better over time. And so I remember yeah. the time when it started clicking for me, which was like uh, um, during like my second year in grad school, I realized I should. Uh, I had this ability, basically, or at least yeah. I was gaining this ability, things like that. Once I realized mm-hmm. that, part of me that I could actually do it. I remember specifically thinking about my mom's perspective uh, a lot, mm-hmm. and I started connecting with her in a way that I never did to any other person before in my life. So, wow. I guess in retrospect, I also it's it's not just that. It's also I have been improving my social skills in grad school by that point, yeah. but like since I haven't seen my family that often like mm-hmm. uh, the skills that i learned that, that by that point in time i they didn't see that or did, they didn't know about it basically that i improved to that point yeah so it's not that i simply just like clicked it was also the combination of the skills i was learning or at least in practice like this muscle the social muscle i was getting yeah i like that like that term mm-hmm. there social muscle and it actually is a muscle because I remember like having to use it one. It's freaking exhausting, especially oh, yeah. if you don't use it or know how to use it. Things like that. Like I remember the beginning of grad school. Like I was exhausting myself trying to do all these things that neurotypical people do. Things that were, mm-hmm. and that can be so extra draining for you to yeah. like the buildup of the lactic acid. If we're just saying <laughs> that muscle metaphor, yeah, then yeah be pretty sore and like it takes some time to build it up yeah yeah wow that's uh wow i just learned a lot right now that's amazing (laughs) that is so cool and then um so yeah grad school was just like a very pivotal point for you Mm -hmm. i feel like and that's also kind of like when i first met you and you would tell me about like all of these different things you're coordinating on campus and you were very involved with different things yeah grad school union and different physics groups and things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I and mean, you actually met me probably like my, my worst place, or at least during my worst place, actually. There was a period in time where I had to, like, go home for a couple of uh, months, mm-hmm. like, due to, like, depression and stuff like that. Don't want to go into details, but... Okay. Uh, I, I remember I had, like, a transformative experience, basically. That was, like, for, for example, the cognitive empathy thing. Yeah. Example. And, and 
I remember like I, it, was, it was as I was changing my life and it was anything I really got out of that like I mean I'm sure like other autistic adults there's something called like autistic burnout things like that where uh, right. like there's times where I just went <clears throat> basically mm-hmm. due to different factors there was certainly like when I was right I was being diagnosed eighth grade it was like, one time uh, timing an undergrad who actually had to like a like leave for a semester basically just like kind of restart especially because yeah. my major was originally in biomedical engineering I didn't like it but I didn't like switch my major until physics at the last minute basically I was kind of oh, like wow breaking yeah, down because of it and mm-hmm. uh, then second year of grad school uh, don't want to go into details but mm-hmm. that was a puzzle pivotal moment too but mm-hmm. I especially the last time I remember I, I built like in this incredible sense of resilience mm-hmm. uh, that I haven't that honestly it's been tough to see even, even among other neurotypicals i've been able to like to help other neurotypicals and things like uh able to at least the stuff i've learned from it basically yeah mm-hmm. resilience is also just another muscle too yeah really. <laughs> that builds into it with so many different struggles we have across life and different aspects of um things that can be really challenging for us mentally and socially yeah yeah and you mentioned to me a couple of weeks ago about autistic burnout, and I think this is, like, brand new in so many different ways. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. lots of professionals and parents really, like, in myself, too, like, uh, really understand. It makes sense, though, intuitively, like, based on our, like, experiences with different autistic individuals and, like, ex- being through, like, different things that are going on in their lives and things that are challenging, but once you get into this adulthood piece where there's still, like, not a lot out there when it comes to care and support and, like, really understanding what are some of, like, the really negative aspects with things building up, like depression and anxiety and other mental health challenges yeah. could really lead to something really serious like autistic burnout. Yeah, I think it's something to the person to, like, uh, masking, for example, being mm-hmm. able to, like, pretend you're neurotypical, things like that, can be, like, really exhausting. Like, uh, even eye contact after a while still gets exhausting for me. Yeah. It doesn't bother me, like, compared to some other autistics. I know aut- autistics, uh, probably a good number of them, especially, like, on Twitter and things like that, who, are go- who like, object to the idea of, like, having to do eye contact. I realize, at least in a sense of the benefits in a at least for connecting with other neurotypicals, but it still can be pretty draining, yeah. especially over a long period of time, but lots of social stuff is like that. But at least I yeah. can relate to, like, introverts, things like that, with that stuff, anyways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's generally what I pull from, too, because I am a heavy introvert, yeah. for sure. <laughs> um, so what are some things that are, like, working for you now as you are, like, you live out on your own, you have your own apartment, you have two little cats which you share lots of great pictures yes of. <laughs> bell also has like a twitter account which i can share with you guys too uh. <laughs> or do you want me i mean okay fine it? yeah no go ahead go ahead it's up to you yeah okay no it's good okay because yeah. i mean you're getting out there you're just telling me about how your account is public and you yeah i've talked with other folks on there too mm-hmm. and you get a lot of shares too and lots of like some stuff you share about your cats about cats yes about your cats i made this physics joke between about cats (laughs) forming like a coordinate system made a pun okay for those who don't know there's this theorem (laughs) called no there's theorem which basically links symmetry with conservation laws like uh, okay 
uh, like between space and momentum or time and energy, things like that. Yeah. And so the, there's this there's this picture of my cats in a this grid and but they're obviously not symmetric in in rotation wise because they're different colors. Okay. Because they're one's a calico, one's an orange, uh, and one's an orange uh, short hair and whatnot. So I said, mm-hmm. okay, that means the well, conservation of angular momentum is conserved. And the reason why I only said that is because one of my cats is named Emmy after Emmy Nother, who was uh, who, who uh, made that. that. Oh, okay. That, so, so. Full circle. <laughs> yes. I think you lost me in the middle of it, though. Yeah, I will, sorry. I'm going to look it up. No, it's okay. <laughs> Please do mention it. But I like that we've gotten to, like, a little bit, like, little snippets of deepness with, like, some of the research, like, <laughs> mine and... I feel like, is there stuff on autistic burnout, or is that something that's just on self-advocates? Um, I think it's mostly done by self-advocates. Okay. Think. Just, like, some anecdotal experience. There is, I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's articles I've read, but it's, like, I don't, I'm not sure if, if it's been done, like, professionally, or okay. things like that, in terms of research, things like that. Researchers should look at it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. hand on my face, being like, hey, hey. <laughs> I think that's really important yeah. to be thinking about. That yeah. really resonated with me. Yeah, and all honestly, I kind of wish that I wish researchers looked at my brain, <laughs> at least before and after, because I could definitely yeah. tell, like, there's been a lot that had changed over the years. Really? Yeah. So, like, a longitudinal brain scan of yes, exactly. yours would be really so interesting you need a, to see. A time machine and a longitudinal. Program. Yeah, that too. So <laughs> we should build the time machine first using NIH funding. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you you have a job, you work as like as a data scientist, mm-hmm. and you live by yourself, and you have two cats. And uh, what are some things that have like you found to be really helpful for you to get to this point? Sure. Um, uh... I got some, some, some really good mental health uh, habits, which helped me. Like, I've gone into awesome. meditation, like, this app called Headspace. I've been uh, getting into, uh, or not getting into, I've been using it for a couple of years now. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> just getting started. Yeah. Just getting, <laughs> no, I, can, I can easily do, like, a 20-minute meditation every day if I want to. That's so awesome. I've been trying to do that pretty regularly, especially during times of extreme stress. Mm-hmm. So it's really helped there. Yeah. Um, I also have this other app called uh, Dalio, which is kind of like this uh, mood journal. So I could say, like, between one and five, like, how has my, it's been, like, to, like, best thing ever. The very good benefit of it is I'm able to have, like, a realistic assessment of what my mood has been. So, like, it combats negativity bias. Like, and say, okay, I've been crappy this day. For the past five days, I've actually been pretty happy. So, overall, it's, it's, it's a good thing. It's a very good frame. Uh, framework. Yeah, I think in terms is. of like framing how well you because before I had that when I was feeling bad or whatnot, I would think that everything is bad, things like that. Yeah. So it helps reduce the cognitive distortions there. Dalio? Yeah, Dalio. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I also had been doing, uh, let's see, journaling when it got really tough. I haven't been doing it as much, but I haven't. Uh, my, my stressors are like significantly less now that I'm after grad school than before. So. <laughs> after grad <laughs> Yeah. That is so cool. But he, and then even like with the transition from grad school to working is like a big one to yeah we yeah, was a really tough experience period. that was tough yeah but it was because of how many things were happening simultaneously yes yeah, yeah. so uh, i was moving down there and that was tough by itself because my dad was being difficult but part of the reason why i was being difficult was because my mom was dying of cancer so uh, mm-hmm. and uh 
it was just uh, quite a lot at once in the outfit. Moving, having to move all my stuff, especially since like my dad couldn't help me with the uh, move once I finally moved because he had to he had to take care of my mom and whatnot. Who passed away two weeks after I moved down there, by the way. Mm-hmm. I don't recommend that, but because of the resilience resiliency skills I got mm-hmm. uh, earlier in grad school that I mentioned like five years earlier, uh, I was able to actually push through that probably. I mean, no offense, it's better than my dad and my brother, I think. <laughs> so. Yeah, man, I mean, you have, like, figured out, like, some helpful mental health tools for mm-hmm. you, so that's been, that's so important for you to have and yeah. still use, even on, like, the tough days. Because your mom was, like, one of your biggest, like, caregivers. Mm-hmm. She was your main caregiver. Yeah, definitely right? my main, yeah. Yeah, very involved in your main support Probably system. Probably too involved, uh, especially in retrospect. Yeah. I think. Yeah. But um, that's, yeah, it's, it's already been in like a, already a tough transition mm-hmm. between these two different areas and two different states, no less, to have your mom pass away. Yeah. In the middle of it, and I think you are just like a pure example of like being resilient through this mm-hmm. and like continuing to find like the good in the day-to-day and pushing forward and be able to have like a like a narrative in your head really helps i think yeah that's one thing one things i've learned in terms like what is a narrative what what am i things like that Mm -hmm. and when it comes to like life transitions like that being able to make sure you have one yeah so as you collect your thoughts write it down things like that really helps me that helps with like journaling for sure. Yeah, right? that, that was one thing I actually read. I was reading these these books like the How to Happiness and uh, these different positive psychology books. And the importance of journaling there, I specifically remember was the fact that it helps build like a positive, like a narrative in your head, in your head to actually so you can actually go through um, like bad events like that and be able to actually grow stronger from it. Yeah. So what's like your current narrative right now? Uh, I'm awesome. (laughs) Being a data scientist and the stuff I've been doing there at least has been really empowering, especially Mm -hmm. because I'm able to see how um, I'm able to like absorb all this knowledge and give back and all the stuff I've been learning about business. I have an awesome mentor who's a very neurodiverse uh, friendly, like Mm -hmm. her her son's on the spectrum, actually. Okay. So that, so that actually, we were able to connect uh, really well. That's uh, great. Both on a professional and muscle level, I thought. So. Yeah. Well, that's amazing to, yeah. You do have, like, you're already making, like, such a great impact at work. Yeah, I know. And, like, towards the end of grad school, like, my social skills, since I was, that was one, that was my special interest at the time, developing <laughs> my social skills. Yeah. Yeah. And that. that was, I don't know, I just, honestly, that was probably the, my proudest, my proudest achievement, other than my PhD, I think, was uh, that stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember how I was able to like connect with people from many different like academic fields. It was like, what kind of analysis do you do? As I was going into data science and whatnot, yeah. so I would even connect even people in English to machine learning and things like that. <laughs> I would say, how oh, cool you could do this in English. That is so cool. So, oh my gosh, I learned a lot of networking skills. I was part of like a. Uh, organization trying to unite grad students and met people in many different fields there. Mm-hmm. And that, I, that actually helped professionally since I was able to learn statistics often by like, hey, uh, I know this pe- person in sociology or political science use these types of stats. So I would just like ca- call them for, or not call them, like text them for uh, what's this type of thing or how can I learn this? Why not? So I, I constantly learn from people about stuff yeah. as I apply. Like I did like an internship uh, and 
doing all this related to social science stuff because I was like predicting soft skills from text. Yeah. And so I used all my social social science connections like to get like uh, tips and things to, on stuff related to that. It's so. amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well connected. I certainly now I am. Yeah. I don't understand how the heck I've become such a great networker, but it's been like fantastic. Cool. Uh, and yeah. I, uh, uh, especially in the context of IBM, being able to like connect people. It gets crazy about how good yeah. networking I've become. Awesome. Not going to random faces, but if it's, maybe it's just back to my old internet days. If, it's, if I'm just chatting with someone over the internet, it's like, okay, cool. Hey, I know you now. Let's talk about this. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So have you been able to like extend that to like meeting other people in the area and living down here now? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Because that's also a tough thing to, and to make friends yeah, um, anyway. it's been like a little tougher road, but I mean, I was it was awesome having you here all at the beginning. Nice. <laughs> so uh, but yeah, you pretty much started brand new down here. Yeah, like, yeah. Not knowing really anybody else. I went to a lot of board games, and uh, I also played like D and D, or at least uh, have been trying to. Yeah. So going to those events really helped in terms of like getting connections. Mm-hmm. And in terms of more interpersonal, deeper connections, that was actually something I struggled with at the beginning of grad school because I was going to all these stuff, but like I wasn't getting like deeper connections because I didn't like say have one-on-one sessions for like coffee or lunch or hang out at an apartment or things like that. Yeah. Um, I'm getting to that more now, I think, so. Okay. Hang with a postdoc who thinks his job sucks, so. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> At least even with the bond over PhD and things like that, I've been able to yeah. become like a better listener, things like that too. So mm-hmm. that's cool. So if you had to um, give any advice to like any family members or professionals like listening to this podcast or even other autistic adults, um, kind of like things to that would help with like supporting other adults just like you listen yeah um especially for the care take this thing like make sure you listen to them and what they need or because uh, how do i say this um there's a lot of stuff that didn't click like i mm-hmm. couldn't not did not express it until i had this kind of like breakthrough moments and like a lot of it is because that stuff wasn't communicated before, like theory of mind, through cognitive empathy, related stuff, things like that. Say, I need help yeah. with this. And some, I like to just really communicate the importance of, of like listening to them, not simply just make the decisions for them. Yeah. So respecting agency and those mm-hmm. kind of things and autonomy. Yeah. Yeah. Especially that it really helps in terms of self-respect. Yeah. It's huge. What about in terms of like supporting decision making and supporting like helping to create goals and things like that for i'm not sure i mean uh long-term goals in terms of like my career i've been really good at yeah i've still been struggling with like some shorter-term goals like uh i know i'm not the best in terms of like organization at least at home work has been great because mm-hmm. everything's so structured yeah uh, transitioning to home has been so struggle i guess probably because i haven't like like fully internalized like a system created by myself rather than like say like my mom because my mom definitely helped a lot but like it's it's got to be more than simply just like here's let's organize break stuff down things like that because at some point that's not going to be there anymore so 
you need to be the one to actually do that. So make sure that the, that those skills are there mm-hmm. in, that, in that context. Make sure, like, say, instead of just doing it for them, to actually help them go through that. Yeah. And uh, as a skill, like, imagine just like something. Uh, I don't know. I just know that when I the best things I've improved is something I've like uh, obsessed over things like that. I want to do this things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Just becomes empowering. Like once I get like mm. executive function, like, oh cool, I can do this now. I didn't think, especially because like diagnosis can be like so limiting sometimes. Like saying, oh, you have Asperger's or autism, and uh, therefore you can't do this. Right. This is your life now. You yeah. can't do anything for yourself anymore. That's so disempowering, <laughs> for sure to say the least. I love that. Yeah, just working on like collaborate, more like a collaborative type of thing. But ultimately, the decision making power is on you. Mm-hmm. And with the goal of, like, passing that over. Yeah. Would you... So, something I heard recently is, like, understanding the difference between and building upon, really, independence and interdependence. So, like, independence is, like, being, of course, doing things by yourself. But interdependence is doing that, but also knowing when to ask other people for help. Yeah, what about it? So, would you think that is like an important skill to work on too like what are your thoughts on like focusing on interdependence too i certainly had to learn interdependence while in grad school like uh mm-hmm. i thought i'd do everything by myself my first year of grad school so i didn't really ask for help as much and so i remember struggling with lots of things there yeah so yeah i had to learn how to ask for help i'm still actually honestly that's still an issue i have right now because um like, I'm not sure I can ask the rest of my family members for some help for some things as much as I used to. Yeah. Because, like, my mom was always the one who was, like, the, being able to help, or even if you don't want it, frankly. <laughs> so... to do it, yeah. I guess it's more of a struggle, like, for, like, what are the boundaries, and, like, who can I, who can I ask for help at this point? Mm-hmm. So, I also, that's still something I'm still trying to work through at the moment, at least in my yeah. current uh, state. Right. So. Okay. It's good to know. Yeah, I was just curious what your thoughts on, like, working towards that with, like, between family members and professionals and as a way to, like, empower adults Mm -hmm. or, like, if that would work for you. I think so if I could figure out the right support system. Yeah. But I'm not sure what's the right support system. (laughs) It's it's a tough thing to figure out. Yeah. Especially if I think of something like saying, oh, my mom used to do this. Now she's not here. Right. If I need support, I have to pay money for it. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not, it's not the financial thing. I'm like, I know my data science at all. So it's more like... I don't want to describe it. Just the, f- the facts... Because, <sighs> like, the connection was part of the main thing I had there. Just Rather than just, like, just having some random like professional help in me it's like yeah the fact was it was my mom that it really helped at least personally but right. i also know this really stressed out a lot too especially in retrospect mm-hmm. see, i know it really pained her to see me struggle for example gotcha yeah it's a yeah it's a very complicated web of like caregivers and family members mm-hmm. for sure and there isn't kind of like a right answer for yeah. a lot of it but it's just kind of like a day-by-day figuring it out mm-hmm. and unfortunately like given even just like services or like there's just not like a lack of 
community support overall. Like I feel like everyone tends to be just like so focused on their day to day. Yeah. Type of things. But. I mean, I know that community is important. Yeah. Uh, it's important to like trying to find the right one. Like I'm part of like the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship and whatnot. So mm-hmm. that's at least been helping me get a, uh, like a community I can go to every Sunday. With yeah. At least like minded, at least politically or. or I'm value wise, anyways. Yeah, but yeah, kind of like you looking for like different communities based on like your common interests. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Go out and join like different board game groups and D and D folks. Yeah, but I I, I start I I did have like a good like network towards the undergrad school. Yeah, but like uh, those people aren't physically here anymore. They're not so. here, but it's it's awesome that you. You do have them online, though, too. Yeah, yeah. Like, I still text, like, my friends and my ex. So, I'm a good relationship. I had I had a girlfriend last year of mm-hmm. grad school, but we still have a good good uh, relationship. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, but, I mean, look at, you just have had, like, such a great support system in grad school, so I hope you do find it. And build it yeah, yeah, yeah. Over time. I know. Mm-hmm. You'll get there, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So, what are... Um, some things you're looking forward to this year um let's see i want to get my data science uh certification i'm going for like a little there's like this thing through the open group and also like internally within my company uh for like kind of like a professor certification for data science and i'm almost done with it yeah but it's like like this one project i'm doing for work uh to be able to write up and uh get that and so i'm hoping like at that because uh, that'll at least show that I'm awesome, things like that. Yeah. So that's like probably like my specific thing I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what else specifically right now. Um, I do want to go back into like my own interpersonal hobbies and not relate to work. I'm not interpersonal. I mean like my personal hobbies. Yeah. Like seeing if I can go say go back into conlinging or things like that. The things like kind of like a creative outlet. Go back into what? To, like, a creative outlet. Like, yeah. I did want to do it, like, with conling or con world uh, building. Like oh, that. con building, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, sorry, I couldn't hear. The yeah. Con, con building. It's like, wow, that's really cool. <laughs> um, and then one final question. What's something, like, you uh, um, think everyone should be, like, focused on when it comes to, like, growing up? And supporting other autistic individuals as they grow up. You kind of touched on some of these things, but if there was something you didn't mention but want to. Just, it's important to realize you're just different, not that you're, there's something wrong with you, things like that. Yeah. And uh, it's okay to be like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the neurodiversity movement has been extremely helpful in terms of empowering autistic individuals, autistic people, so <laughs> I say individuals, I'm not doing like some sort of science thing or whatnot in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Yeah, I do the same thing. I'm like, do I write autistic individuals or people, especially as I'm transferring yeah. between blog posts or articles? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, It's me again. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I've got a few things to go over as you are on your way out the door. So firstly, if you like this episode, please go ahead and share it with a friend or another family you know if you think this would be helpful for them. And then also, I'd love to hear your side of the conversation for this episode. So why don't you join us in the Autism Grown Up community and share what's going on for you, your family, 
and in your local community, whatever role you serve. Everyone is welcome over here. You can access the community through this link, which is community.autismgrownup.com. And then lastly, if you really love this episode and just the podcast in general, please go ahead and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever podcast app you are currently listening to this episode on. It just helps get the word out there when it comes to what's out there for autism growing up. All right, we'll see you in the community and I'll catch you next time.